We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast on Ramstalk Radio, proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and sponsored by TickPick, the original no-fees ticket purchasing website. Uh, if you're looking to get some tickets to see these incredible 5-1 and one Los Angeles Rams, TickPick.com is your place to go. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, another week, another win for the Los Angeles Rams this time over the New York Giants, and which is becoming a recurring theme of us beating the Giants. I could not be happier about it. How you doing, man? I mean, it's always nice to, to score a, a huge win over any team. And while the Giants are a depleted Giants team that wasn't very good to begin with, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy about the win. I mean, essentially limited them to just three points, so... Uh yeah, I'm I couldn't be happier. I went to the game. Uh this is the I went to the last three Rams games at MetLife Stadium. The last two have been gigantic blowouts, man. It's been incredible. Uh it has been so great to walk into that stadium and just watch us absolutely wreck the other team with no regard. Uh this game, it was the 10th anniversary celebration of the 2011 championship team. So they got to trot out their 10 year old team down 28 to three at halftime. Good for them. Feel good moment. Everybody left the game afterwards. It was great. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet, uh, as someone that, that, you know, lives near the area of, uh, the New York teams, I imagine, that uh, you you see a lot of uh, a lot of overhype with New York teams each year. Am I right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Although, well, even even Jet fans, although they've gotten a little more self aware at this point. 
Uh, <laughs> I felt I felt a little bad for the Giants fans that were there because it was just so hopeless. But also, uh, they fluked into two Super Bowls, and they re- that 2011 team really was not that good. So I don't feel bad for them because that year was a fucking gift, and they could have it. They could have. It, all right, they. This is karma for getting a fluke Super Bowl. Not one, but two. Although, I'll, I'll give them more credit for the 20, 2007 one because of who they beat to to get there. <sighs> the Giants, man. The Giants. Uh, all right. Well, uh, before we get into the game, there were some injuries in this game. This is uh, coming out Tuesday morning, recording Monday night. Uh, as per usual, I am tilting during this fantasy football night with a lot of big players playing tonight. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not watching the game. No distractions for me tonight. Actually, going to flip my phone over so I don't see the notification when uh, dumbass Cole Beasley scores a touchdown and ruins my night. I know he already scored one. I hope he doesn't score another. <laughs> um, two players injured in this game out for the season, unfortunately. Johnny Munn tore his ACL third time in his career. Real bummer. Uh, stinks for him. Sucks for the team. He, he's uh, fairly important part of the team. And Jake Funk also uh, with an injury that will keep him out for the season as well. Was He, he tore his hamstring. Um, also hurt in this game. Apparently everyone got hurt. Sonny Michelle hurt his shoulder, but he's expected to play this week. John Wolford hurt his neck, but isn't expected to miss any time and more than likely won't be needed. Next week, although he did play a little in this game. Um, but, I mean, let's start with Munt, the the biggest loss here for sure. Second, second string tight end, plays a lot in two tight end sets. I would imagine, and I don't think we've played a ton of, you know, we haven't played a ton of 12 personnel this season anyways uh, with two tight ends. I would imagine Bryson Hopkins steps up into his role which is not, you know, ideal, but I don't think we're going to see a second tight end a lot here anyways. The obvious choice would be Jacob Harris, but given what Johnny Munt does, which is basically just blocks, I don't really see them putting Harris in that role, even though he's a much more sexy option than uh, Bryson Hopkins. But ultimately, it's it's a loss that's going to hurt the team a little, and I, I feel for him. I hope he recovers. I hope he can come back. But I would imagine this just provokes McVay to really just eliminate 12 personnel almost altogether from the playbook. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, Johnny Munt offers a lot more than people realize uh, and and kind of gives McVay that flexibility. But the problem is neither Jacob Harris or, or – um, Oh geez, I, I drew a blank there. Bryson, Bryson Hopkins. There we go. Wow, it's it's been that long since the preseason. So um, neither Jacob Harris or Bryson Hopkins is really that kind of a tight end to begin with. You know this this is a guy, or you know these guys are were basically drafted for their pass catching skills. And yeah, you know they're they're gonna try and mold them to be better blockers in a way, sort of like Tyler Higby. At least Higby had uh, a little more blocking prowess coming out of you know college. But um, 
Yeah, to to say that they're going to replace Johnny Munt, uh, maybe as a body, and that's pretty much it if they ever do that. Um, you know, this it, it does kind of take a little bit away from the Rams' offense, but as Steve mentioned, you know, this wasn't really the type of sets that uh, the Rams were accustomed to like they were last year. You know, this was kind of more of a bigger blow towards last year's offense where they really needed that uh, to keep, you know, Jared Goff safe. And uh, this year it's uh, not as well needed. So um, still it, it is a, it is a loss nonetheless, because that just takes away part of the Rams offensive scheme that, you know, um, they could have had, would have liked to have had. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Munt played um, 29% of the snaps week one, 5% week two, 48 week three, 29 week four, and 42% week five. Only played three snaps last week. Obviously got hurt, though. Um, but they weren't rolling him out a ton before he did. So it is a loss. Um, you know, anyone who would come on the podcast and say, this is going to really be a detriment to the team. I mean, no disrespect to Johnny Munn. It's not going to be, but it will take away some things they could do on offense. It'll be interesting to see if they do um, continue to use 12 personnel and, and try either Hopkins or Harris or, dare I even say, Kendall Blanton off the practice squad out there in those formations. Um, but it's certainly something they could weather. You know, if they were able to weather the loss of Cam Akers, I think they'll be able to weather the loss of Johnny Munn. He was targeted once in six weeks. So that reason gives me a lot of pause if anyone says Jacob Harris is going to step up because that man played wide receiver last year. There's no way I would be floored if he steps in and is a remotely reliable blocking tight end. Uh, Jake Funk, as you mentioned, torn hamstring, done for the year. Ben returning some kicks. I'm sure they'll fill in 2-2 or um, somebody else back there on those. Uh Rams and we have two running backs on the roster now, and Tony Michelle's banged up, so maybe we'll see Javion Hawkins or Buddy Howell off the practice squad. Maybe we'll see them at a bet in free agency. I, I don't know what Xavier Jones's health is, but maybe they look into bringing him back. Uh, we'll see. I Too much to talk about to take here and go on a diatribe about Jake Funk's replacement. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk about some football, but before we do, Johnny, I just want to say, man, this was my first game back since the pandemic began my first NFL game back in a stadium watching the Rams kick the ever-living shit out of the New York football Giants it was incredible and I just want to say man it feels so good to be able to go back to these games and it's such a blast and it, the Rams man they're good this year we're gonna be a Super Bowl contender you got to get out and see this team play and if you're looking to acquire tickets to go watch this team go find Rams tickets the best place to do it is tick pick T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. It's the original no-fee ticket site. Everyone hates those fees. You have no idea what they mean. TickPick, they're not even going to give you fees. They're going to give you the prices as is, as you're going to pay for them. It's it's my go-to, and it's going to be your go-to place for all NFL tickets. They are the office service fees, other ticket charges site, and it lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you think you could go on another website, any of them, and find better prices for the same seats, TickPick will give you a 110% of the difference in your purchase price, meaning they will actually take money off their offer because you are giving them a better price 
because they're so confident that it doesn't exist that you're going to get the best prices on TickPick. I mean, let's imagine going to this game. It made me so excited. And now I'm even looking at going into SoFi, flying out to L.A., getting the full experience, seeing our boys play in person with all of you, with all of our fans out in the California area. And you bet if I do that, I'm going to be planning to get my tickets using TickPick. And I'll be giving you the same discount that I'm going to be using on this website. So head over to TickPick.com slash RTR and use our promo code. Again, RTR. That's the promo code. Just the three letters. You're going to save $10 on your first pair of Rams tickets uh, on TickPick. And as we know, the Rams are 5-1. and one, And they're going to keep winning. And they're going to never lose another game. So you're going to be wanting to be in attendance for all of these wins down the pipeline. Avoid getting screwed quite frankly on these hidden ticket fees and get the best price you possibly can with tick pick t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k uh let's talk about this game man 38 to 11 scoregami the first time the score has ever happened in an nfl game excited to witness that in person uh give me your initial thoughts on this game obviously a huge blowout this is their their biggest blowout of the year right i mean Correct me wrong. I'm pretty sure that's true. It's definitely true. Uh, how'd you feel, man? It was it was so nice to, you know, once they took that 14 to three lead midway through the second quarter. You, it was just like great. The game's over. There, there's no way that the Giants come back. Yeah, I, I mean, if you were to ask me with the first, uh, really the first couple drives of the game, I wasn't too happy. Uh, especially because, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, the Giants weren't exactly at 100%. You know, they didn't see Saquon Barkley. Uh, they didn't see uh, they didn't see really a whole lot of their receiving squad. I mean, and that's kind of funny considering they had a plethora of receivers at the start of the season. Yeah, and, they uh, they won the first quarter, which is insane to say in a game where they essentially lost thirty eight to three. Yeah, basically, and, and I I think it, it has a lot to do with the Rams' offense starting off super slow, and uh, that's something that Sean McVay even you know mentioned in his uh, post game interview that uh, you know they need to start off faster. They need to come out of the gates a lot quicker. Uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, uh, Matt, Matthew Stafford trying to get into a rhythm um, or even Sean McVay and his play calling needs to get more into a rhythm because, um, you know, that that can't happen against a, a terrible team like the, the Giants. And they do have some players on defense. I'll give credit where credit's due, but it's not, you know, this isn't the defenses the Rams have played against. Uh, you know, in the first couple weeks of the season, you know, they've played some contending defenses and looked a lot better than what they did uh, in in the first quarter of this game. So um, all, all that said, beyond that, the Rams, like it, it looked like they were just playing with them at certain points of the game. You know, offense came out there. You could you could tell uh, even before. The starters left the field in the fourth quarter that, you know, they weren't really giving it their all because, I mean, what was the point in running up the score? And that's basically why Wolford got in there at some point and really all the starters sat it, and it looked like a preseason game out there. But, um, yeah, overall, that's exactly what the Rams, um, I feel like 
we saw a glimpse of what the Rams could be. And um, albeit it was against the Giants, and they should dominate a team like the Giants. But that's something different than what the Rams did last year. And I, and I really want people to really pay attention to that because, you know, a lot of people are suggesting, well, you know, this wasn't a very good team. And, and yeah, absolutely, 100% agree with you. But last year, the Rams would play against, you know, some terrible teams and either it would be a lot closer than it should have been or they would flat out lose, uh, a.k.a. the Jets game. Or or the Giants game last year. They won 17-9. Yeah. to nine. You know, the Giants were a little better last year, but they were still bad. Um, you know, yeah, if if this game, even if it was like, you know, 20 to 11 or whatever, you know, it would be a completely different podcast. Now, that first quarter was gross. Uh, it was unbelievable that they lost that quarter. They could not move the ball at all on offense. And and the Gi- the Giants are pesky. You know, they're they're similar to Detroit when we play next week. You know, they've had some games this year where, you know, they've stuck around and, and been a been a you know been like a what been a gnat. Been a gnat to their opponent. Um couldn't find the bug I was trying to, to throw out there. But uh um like they're they're still bad. They're still bad. And you know, you mentioned all the injuries they have had. Kadarius Tony on that first drive was obliterating us, and I don't. I think there's a zero percent chance we would have lost had he continued to play the game, but there is a good chance that their offense would have scored quite a bit more points if he was out there, considering he was their whole offense on that first drive. Some some concerning things mainly on the defensive side of the ball early in this game, but it's nice to see, you know, when things aren't going well, that the team could flip the switch like they did. And a lot of it was the Giants uh, just handing us the ball multiple times in the second quarter. But to the team's credit, the offense scored a lot of points. The defense, when easy takeaways were presented to them, made the plays, caught the interceptions. You know, the Giants dropped some interceptions in this game. Uh, Jamal Adams clip on Twitter of a ball just hitting him in the face has been trending. That could have been a pick for them that he didn't get. It's um, it's it's great to see. Yeah, it's great to see after the first quarter. the The Giants were winning basically for the first third of this game, and as soon as the Rams took the lead, the game was a fucking joke. Uh, it was an absolute shit show for the Giants. The Rams scored twenty eight points in basically a ten minute stretch in the second quarter, which is just preposterous. That that was never something this team could have done last year, even against bad opponents like the Giants. I mean, like you said, they lost to the, the goddamn Jets. Uh, so it, it's great to see. And to me, like this game summed up in a nutshell was the play where uh, Matthew Stafford fumbled the snap, picked it up, was still able to throw a screen pass, and it went for like 35 yards. Uh, it was just – it was not the Giants' day after that first quarter. And it's nice that we are on the good end. This is a – very good team beating a bad team. This is how it should be. This is how the game should have went. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things, too, that I was really um, really impressed with overall was how particularly the secondary adjusted, um, you know, because obviously 
the defense as a whole, you know, allowed the Giants to drive the ball downfield on their first drive. Uh, was not happy to see that, uh, especially on the ground. You know, that's not something you want to see. But um, overall, like you said, they uh, they adjusted. They were really dominant uh, pretty much the entire game uh, until, you know, they went into garbage time and basically put in all the backups. So, you know, I have to say I, I was really, really impressed with how the secondary, uh, you know, really evolved. In, and, you know, considering that, yeah, Jalen Ramsey's going to do his thing, that's that's fine. But without the services of Darius Williams, that's that's a big concern. And then you essentially have, you know, guys that haven't been doing well all season long. And, you know, uh, you know, guys like David Long and uh, a rookie and Robert Rochelle, Dante Dayon, got promoted from the practice squad that game. So um, there wasn't a lot to be confident at. And I think there would have been, um, you know, a little bit of a struggle had, you know, the Giants wide receivers been healthy. And um, not to say it would have affected the outcome of the game, because I don't think so. But I do think it would have been a much tougher time because secondary was a little bit uh, is a little bit banged up right now. And then, of course, you know, they were using Terrell Burgess a lot, um, which is, you know, really any sort of action that he's seen all season. So there's a lot to really take in there. Well, Terrell Burgess started and then basically didn't play. So I think he played that first drive and they must've felt like they'd seen enough and just not played him for the rest of the game. Um, I had the snap counts up. I'll pull them up again, but even before I hit those, um, what was my turn of thought? Oh Yeah. No, I totally agree. The secondary, they got toasted on that first drive quite a bit. Uh, Robert Rochelle, in particular, seemed like he was getting picked on. Uh, he almost had a costly pass interference in the end zone, but they call it, it was pass interference, but they ruled the ball uncatchable, which was correct. Uh, Giants settled for a field goal, didn't score for the next, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, they took a beating on that first drive, and granted, Kadarius Tony got hurt, but, you know, when you are a secondary that has Jalen Ramsey in it and you're going against a group of receivers who three out of the four best receivers, and I would say at least the, the two best in Tony and uh, Galladay were not playing in this game, and you have Jalen Ramsey in your secondary, you should completely shut them down, especially with how well the pass rush played in this game, who was unbelievable. They were, they were destroying Daniel Jones. Um, you should dominate, and they did. Uh, after that first, first, really that first drive, you know, the first quarter in a sense to a lesser extent, it was really just that first drive where they took a beating and, and they, they picked it back up. Um, Dante Dayon, yeah, like you said, coming off the practice squad, playing basically the whole game, Robert Rochelle playing basically the whole game, uh, Taylor Rapp playing great. We haven't said that in God knows how long, uh, a genuinely great game, maybe the best game he's ever had, two interceptions. Uh, even at, had a quarterback pressure, which was awesome to see. You know, it, it was really it was encouraging, and I know, yeah, we could sit here and say these receivers are bad on the other team with a bad quarterback. 
Dayon and Rochelle, um, and even to a lesser extent, you know, Rap and Fuller don't like don't have a ton of real like in-game experience. Rap and Rap and Fuller obviously have a decent amount, but not you know they're not like seasoned vets out there. Uh, and Rochelle and Dayon have barely played NFL ball. We didn't get to say this on the pod last week when Darius Williams went down with an injury because uh, we podded right after the game and didn't pod for the rest of the week. Um, when you had this game and then the Lions and then the Texans, three in a row, bad quarterbacks, bad receiving cores, bad offenses, figured your shit out, you know, try things like let Terrell Burgess play and it didn't work out. Okay, pull him. Uh, let Dante Dayon play, see what happens. Oh, it's working out. Okay, we can keep him on the field. He can be an asset, unlike uh, Burgess, apparently, and David Long, as we learned, who uh, barely played in this game until the fourth quarter. It's, you know, this is the perfect opportunity to get right in this stretch, starting with this game, into next week with Detroit, and into the following week with Houston. We're going to play some really good teams with good quarterbacks, good receiving cores. Tennessee's on the horizon. You know, uh, these guys are going to have to be relied on, especially with Williams out. Jalen Ramsey can't guard anybody. And it was just nice to see, yeah, like you said, it was really nice to see them rebound, adjust, and play well and effectively just shut down an offense. These are not the best players in the NFL, but they are NFL players at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I think that uh, you're you're absolutely right. This is the time to – kind of mix and match who um who uh you know plays well together who has a better uh chance of making plays because yeah i, I mean as we saw on the first drive with uh with terrell burgess uh, there's something up with him he's not performing to expectations uh i don't know he's still very young so we'll see how he develops uh last season he you know he started off strong but he didn't really play much of the season because of in, uh, injury. So um, he, it's not fair to kind of give up on him just yet. So I do think that maybe uh, it might be time to, you know, let him play when, when the, when it's garbage time, like they did. Um, and, and the same goes with David long, you know, um, unfortunately David long hasn't really, progress to the guy that we were hoping he could be but also young guy maybe a little more in-game action will help him out nah they're it, they're it, done with david long if this game tells you anything is that they're completely done with him they started terrell yeah. burgess they took him out and then they put in dante Dayon, who didn't even make the fucking team uh they are definitely done with david long for this season i think i would be shocked if barring injuries, he plays a meaningful role on the team for the rest of the season. Oh, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think that that his starting days might be done considering injuries and all that. But I do think that they shouldn't give up on him just yet just because, uh, I mean, honestly, the the depth on the Rams is is not that great. So maybe a, li- a little more in-game action and garbage time. And let's face it, if all goes according to plan, you know, the next couple weeks, I, I think there'll be plenty of garbage time there. So um, I think as long as they do it at appropriate times, getting him more in-game action for David Long and Terrell Burgess, I think would go a long way. Yeah, well, it, it would. 
but I don't know if we're going to get it. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe in this Detroit game, maybe in this uh, Houston game. But, you know, if they like Dayon and they like Rochelle and those are their guys, I want them to get all the snaps and get the reps. If those are the guys they're going to put their trust in. I You know, I, I, I don't care who it is as long as they play okay. Um, and hopefully, you know, this is a good three-game stretch to be missing Williams, and hopefully we can get him back after. I'm not, I'm not counting on it until really late in the season. But, hey, we'll see what happens. Um, last thing in the secondary, I feel like a lot of people after this Taylor Rapp game, who played phenomenal, uh, he, this was, he played incredible, and I hope he continues to keep it up. You know, for him especially, he could really use these games just to really just – dominate and uh let people know that he he can he can contribute on this team and in this league a lot of people were taking this game as like a victory lap saying like he's always been good and like clowning people for saying he's not good pump the fucking brakes on that he's been bad this season okay i hope that this is the new norm that he's really good and becomes a really good player and the guy that we thought he would be after his rookie season but that would be like if Brian Allen puts up a sinker next week and we came on this podcast and said, oh, he was never good. Like, that's bullshit. He's playing great this year. He's allowed to have a bad game. Similarly to how if Taylor Rapp has a good game, that doesn't mean that the bad games didn't happen. Like, I don't know why we need to act like, oh, yeah, we always believed he was always good. Like, he wasn't good. and Like, he was having a terrible year. Um, but I hope this is the norm. I, I, I'm optimistic. Um, because we have seen him be good in the past, but before this game, it had been a while uh, where we saw a really good Taylor Rapp game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think partially uh, one of the thing nice things to see was yeah the i mean when when uh the rams drafted taylor rap it it was kind of known that his coverage skills were kind of so-so you know not not the greatest uh but one of the things about taylor rap was that you know he was missing tackles he wasn't he wasn't the taylor rap that we had seen in his rookie season and um you know, obviously last year he didn't get a ton of time uh, at, at safety. So uh, the way the way I look at it is like this. It, it looked like the, the former Taylor Rapp that we had seen in his rookie season and had so much promise. He's a young guy and someone that has a tremendous amount of potential and that's something to look forward to and hopefully he can develop into. But 
to sit here and suggest that this is this is the safety that he's always been, that he's uh, a dominant safety. Yeah, you, you need to relax a little bit. You know, keep in mind that the Rams did play the Giants, not a very good offense, an injured offense that wasn't very good to begin with. And on top of that, uh, you know, some of those interceptions, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones, sometimes he was pressured, sure, but there were other times I'm like, what the hell was he throwing at? Yeah, he's bad. <laughs> yeah. And also, I have to say, um, I, I kind of mentioned this to Steve uh, over the weekend, that I kind of think he looks, you know, both physically and the way how he plays, like Eli Manning. Yes, kind of, but he has shown no flashes. He's like, I feel like he hasn't shown any flashes. Like, I, I, the team is bad. The coaching staff might be bad. Uh, they've been destroyed with injuries. But I, barring like an act of God for the rest of the season, I cannot imagine they bring this dude back as their starting quarterback. <laughs> I, I would be absolutely for it. He, he's been bad. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams, uh, you know, going after quarterback this season. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's a bad quarterback class. Um, from what I've heard, I know nothing about the draft. So maybe, but I think they would look for a free agent before they bring him back or at least bring in, do what the, the Broncos did and bring in a Teddy Bridgewater-esque player to compete with him and probably win the job uh, because he's bad. Um, yeah, I'm, for sure, for sure. I guess the last thing on the defense, the pass rush was unbelievable in this game. Now, again, it's Giants, but they absolutely dominated that Giants offensive line. Four players got in on sacks. Leonard Floyd, the sack and a half. Terrell Lewis had a sack. Uh, Oboe had a sack. And Aaron Donald had half a sack. If I'm doing the math right now correctly on the fly, seven players had quarterback hits. Uh, the guys who had a sacks, obviously, plus Greg Gaines, Taylor Rapp, um, did I miss somebody? J- Jameer Jones even getting in there. Um, this was uh, an incredible game. Terrell Lewis and Oboe, particularly uh, guys who played great that we've been we've been waiting on. Uh, even though they both played well in, or Terrell Lewis especially has played well in recent weeks, but uh, those guys have arrived. Man, it seems like this is a it's, this position was a concern entering the year and. With these two dudes plus Justin Hollins when he comes back around Leonard Floyd, it's a solid rotation of edge rushers. Um, you know, it is not the best edge rush rotation in the league, but it is a very good rotation of edge rushers if these guys can keep it up. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Raheem Morris. This was a guy that, um, you know, absolutely loved to blitz. And I think uh, for a blitzing specialist like Raheem Morris, He's going to get the most out of, you know, these uh, young pass rushers. And that's certainly good to see. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're not the best in the league. But, you know, this is uh, this is exactly, you know, what we were hoping for. Because let's face it, I think any one of us would be lying if we said, I knew that this pass rush was going to be like this. Uh, because... You know, outside linebacker other than maybe Leonard Floyd, uh, 
there was it was a big question mark who was going to step up and it, and then it ended up being Justin Hollins who nobody really expected to be the starter until <laughs> I mean I know he was kind of used um more frequently than we expected last season but we totally expected you know guys like Terrell Lewis or Oboe to step up and and claim that spot and neither did so it's good to see that there's a lot of confidence in this in this unit, especially because there are a lot of flaws in the defense uh, compared to last season. You know, there was a lot of loss, and the fact that uh, they can, you know, improve in an area that maybe wasn't the strongest last season, that that's special. I, I give props to Raheem Morris there. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome to see, uh, and I. I think Terrell Lewis is going to be a really good player uh, who's coming on into his own. You know, he was a he was a day two draft pick, so it's not like there's no draft capital there. And then, you know, Oboe seems like he'll be a re- more than reliable pass rusher uh, in the rotation, even with Hollins back. Uh, you love to see it, man. It's, the concerns on this defense are getting less and less, I think, especially there. But, you know, we will see... I will say don't really make any real assessments about the secondary and the linebacking core that we've been concerned about until at least week nine when we start playing real teams again. Uh, <laughs> these teams are not good for the next two weeks and in this game. Offensively, it was a weird day, I guess. You know, in a game where they scored 38 points, they only had 365 total yards um, compared to 261 for the Giants. But, you know, <laughs> they won. Uh, it was rough at the beginning. Uh, they started out, that was a really, really sloppy first quarter offensively. They went three and out on their second drive. Uh, and then their third drive, they, they get backed up to a. Um, was it the first drive? The third drive? Yeah, they get backed up to a first and 21. And then go six plays down the field and score. And that was it. Um, from there, the Giants continue to give us the ball and to the Rams offense's credit who has struggled a little bit in the red zone touchdown wise uh they scored 21 points off of turnovers in this game the only turnover they didn't capitalize on from the Giants who had four turnovers um was they got an interception with 17 seconds left and Cooper Cup dropped a pass that resulted in interception time expired so the Giants did not score on it um only point Giants had off on turnovers this game was that they scored off of John Wolford's fourth quarter interception, which we do not need to talk about uh, for our birthday boy over there, John Wolford. But, you know, even with a weird first quarter, it was nice to see Stafford, and he did this against Tampa Bay too, came out the gate struggling. Uh, he took a few sacks in the first quarter, and they were not, you know, I felt like on those two sacks he had enough time to get rid of the ball, and he didn't. Um, and... It is what it is. It was a tough first quarter. But after that, I mean, he finished this game 22 of 28, 251 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception, as you mentioned. Not really his fault. Uh, and wasn't sacked after that first quarter. I mean, there's not really anything to complain about offensively. They need to sharpen it up. But I don't really know. Like, we can't really, like, there were some mistakes in the first quarter against a better team. That could have resulted in us getting buried into an early hole. But they certainly played well enough in this game and then some uh, to get us a blowout victory here. 
Yeah, I mean, I I I hear what you're saying um, for sure, and uh, you know, there, and to be perfectly honest with you, I, I totally agree that um, there isn't a whole lot to to complain about offensively. Uh, I I do think that there is still work to be done, though, uh, particularly with some of the um, I, I would say mostly in the passing game, because on the ground, I mean, Daryl Henderson did his thing. Uh, he looked uh, so great, dude. He really he looked did. great. He looked like a legitimate uh, top 10 running back. You could even make a an argument for a little bit higher, but I think top 10 is probably the fairest thing. Um, yeah. He, he, he looked like a badass out there point blank. And Sonny Michelle did a solid job as, uh, as a compliment to him. And, and I, I think that's, that's exactly what you want to be at. And in that regard, I don't think there's really much to complain about in the passing game. I do think that there's still work to be done there. Matthew Stafford had a hell of a game still. Um, you know, he did his thing, you know, where when it counted. Um, there are still a lot of ill-advised passes that he made, some of which weren't his fault per, per se, but there was a few passes where I left scratching my head like, what? And particularly the ones that were nowhere near the receivers and – um, that last ill-advised pass um, at the uh, at at halftime, the interception, that was frustrating because that was essentially the same type of pass that uh, that he threw against the Seahawks, where it was kind of carelessly thrown, and you know uh, ended up becoming an interception. Now, I I realized that nothing came of it. It was an interception, so no big deal, right? Uh, it ended at halftime, so what? what's the problem? Well, the problem is that's becoming a habit now. If it happened once, okay, you learn from it. It happens again, there's a pattern there. You know, you got to be safer with the football because against better teams, that they're going to make you pay. And let's face it, it's the Giants, so of course not much happened there. Uh, it, it is something to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe it's an overreaction of sorts, but I don't think so, man. No, he, he's been a little reckless for sure. And a lot of these games, you know, we've been able to afford it because the teams aren't that good. But it, it, it's nice to see them playing aggressive, but you got to be careful. You You can't give the ball away. Um, and, you know, that Seattle interception was insanity. Uh, I didn't see anything as egregious as that in this game, but he, he he didn't look too sharp in the first quarter. And look, man, you play the Giants, you play the Lions, you play the Texans, odds are you're going to be fine no matter what you do. Um, if, you, if you miss a couple of balls here and there, it's no big deal as long as you hit a couple. But when you get to the playoffs, man, when we play the Ravens later in the season, when we play the Cardinals again, when we play the Packers, you got to be sharp, man. You can't afford to give the ball, turn the ball over. And I'm not concerned about Stafford really at all, but I, I hope that he is, you know, uh, taking notice of these things. And, and it was encouraging to see in McVay's press conference after the game, you know, he was disappointed with how the offense played, even though it was the blowout win. Um, but yeah, like he's holding them accountable. You know, you, you, 
a lot of times it's easy to come in out of this game and say there's nothing the team did wrong. They won the game by a billion points on the road in a way different time zone. But look, man, you gotta you gotta take take inventory after games like this and you know make sure you're not just writing it off as a blowout win when there are things the team could improve on. Even though you certainly feel good coming out of this game, ending up five and one on the road in New York. Like, yeah, you feel great, but. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, there, he he's got to get a little sharper for this team to play into February. Um, we talked about Henderson, incredible, twenty-one carries, seventy-eight yards, and a touchdown. Added two receptions for twenty-nine yards and a touchdown, and a, just a beautiful wheel route, or not even a wheel route. You know, John I had to take note of this because finally, you know, they always trot the running back out wide when they run empty. And they never look at him because why would they? Finally, Daryl Henderson runs a go route and they throw it to him and he scores a touchdown. Uh, I give them credit. You know, even if it didn't work, I give them credit for actually looking at the running back in that formation so that in the future, defenses might not be able to just trot a linebacker out there like the Giants did. They'll actually have to respect that formation. Yeah, I mean, uh, finally worked. I I think... uh... I think there's there's hope for uh, this play in the future. I mean, hey, it, it works consecutive weeks, right? It at least um, it keeps him honest, keeps the defense honest. Um, Cooper Cup in this game, it's kind of entering Aaron Donald territory. Where what 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 do we even say about him? Nine catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, not only it will he will almost certainly be in the Pro Bowl for the first time in his career. Very much trending towards a first-team All-Pro selection, which is not something you take lightly in the NFL. Uh, that's a huge deal. It'd be hard to, you know, consider anyone else for the top spot on that team right now at the wide receiver position. I'm not going to sit here and say he's more talented, pound for pound, than guys like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. But he's certainly uh, at this point a top ten, possibly top five receiver in the NFL, and he's playing like the top one receiver. Uh, that touchdown that he had on fourth and one out of fucking empty formation on fourth and one. Uh, I will give the mad lad Sean McVay credit there. I've been ragging that stupid shit all season, but they had an incredible <laughs> touchdown uh, pass and catch Stafford to cup out of empty on fourth and one. Um, not even on the one yard line. They could have just gotten a yarding on the first down. So even more insane to run empty in that situation. But uh, it worked, and it was a beautiful catch. Man, he's so good. Cup is so good. Um, really, he's taken a leap, and he's he's an elite receiver in this league. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's, it's like, what else do you even say about him? Um, Johnny, before we talk about the future and Detroit, I'm going to ring some bells here. In my uh, my sound effects in the pod that you can't hear, I got I got, I got, I got lightning. Uh, the unthinkable happened. 
the unthinkable happened in this game. For the first time since 2019, the Rams dialed up a fake punt. We haven't seen this since John Fossil left two fucking years ago. The Rams finally dial it up. It works. Uh, there's some like ghost penalty. Uh, go on Rams. Why are they in an article about what they thought that penalty was? Um, it was basically like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's some like archaic rule that you can't have a player too close to the sidelines. I don't know how it resulted in an offsetting penalty. I get what the call was, I guess for the Rams, but, um, they got up a fake punt. It worked. And like I just said, with, with the, the, uh, play to Daryl Henderson, now they get, now defenses have to account for that once again, because they at least revealed, Hey, this is still in our playbook. You know, I didn't count on the scoreboard, but it certainly made me happy to see it. Uh, I, I, I really stood up and started cheering when they did that at the game. I, I was very excited. Uh, happy that Hecker can still throw the ball because if you watched the team for the last two years, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> well, the, it was nice to see him out there and um, actually utilizing Ben Skoranek. It makes me feel like it wasn't a wasted roster space. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, they, they actually made that happen and – I'm still scratching my head on that penalty and and it was I think what makes it more frustrating is that the non-clarification afterwards and I think that they explained it to Sean McVay but Sean McVay you know uh took the higher road and not criticized the penalty uh but it it was such a bizarre flag and even like the the Rams wire explanation is kind of a guess. It's yeah, it's they, really they haven't cleared it up. Yeah, they they still haven't said anything about it. And and there's there was no players mentioned. It, it it's literally a ballpark guess because there's I there's nothing anybody saw at least on TV. I don't know if you noticed anything in person, Steve. Dude, I, I had no it. idea what I, – I couldn't see anything in person, like, on that play. I, and they didn't show any replays uh, because what would they show? Um, yeah, it was crazy. And I guess the rule that people think is what they called is that, um, you know, offensive players, I guess, are not allowed to line up within five yards of the bench or, like, linger around the sideline. Um, you know, because it's that schoolyard bullshit play. We've all done it playing like pickup football where like somebody acts like they're off the field and then just like runs a go route and you throw them the ball uh, because the defense doesn't notice he's out there. But even if that's the case, what did the Giants do? Yeah, exactly. Like, how is it offsetting? Like, if that's the case, what the hell did the Giants do? And it was all in the offsetting penalties. Like, there was nothing on the like the broadcast. They didn't find anything, did they? They didn't attribute the penalty to any players. No, no. There was no players mentioned. There was – there was. It, it's literally a big mystery as to what this penalty actually was for, what both penalties were for, really. Uh, so it, – and it's a shame because it was such a great play by, by Johnny Hecker – I, I'm still I'm still at a loss for words. You know, we I I remember actually, um, you know, rewinding to see. Well, maybe I missed something and I just didn't notice. And 
you know, after rewinding it a couple times, I still don't know what the hell this penalty is for. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's a little disappointing because I think Johnny Hecker should have uh, gotten credited for, you know, an awesome play. Yeah, and I still stand by the fact that our complaining about the refs cards are still revoked. Um, We're still not allowed to play them until something close to as bad as what happens in the NFC Championship happens to us. Hopefully it doesn't ever. Um, I will not spend too much time complaining about this. It's more confusion than complaining, honestly. I just want to know. Like, I want to hear from the league what the explanation is and why. I'm more curious about what the Giants did. Like, it's so confusing. But, yeah, it was, like you said, great to see Hecker make a nice play. Great to see Ben Skoranek get in on some action. Um, Yeah, at least they still do it. Um, We will give them a pass on Cooper Cup returning punts again because they won by a lot. Uh, (laughs) Not not worth our time today, although, Jesus Christ. I mean, for one of them. For one of the best play, one of the best wide receivers in football, I would still like him not to return punts. And again, like if he was like Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson in his prime back there returning punts, hell fucking yeah, go for it. He's really not good at it. You know, his nope. he he finally actually fielded a punt today or in this <laughs> game, and like. He doesn't have, you know, he's not slow by any means. He's a fast player, but he doesn't have the, like, immediate burst to be a dangerous punt returner. Like He's no Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, no, like, he can't catch the ball and just start darting. You know, he, he's he's not slow, but he's also not like a, like a you know, he's not, yeah, he's not Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, even in theory, Tutu Atwell, that kind of player where they're just, a, they can dust you immediately as they start moving. Tavon Austin, even kind of back in the day in that category. Um, let's talk about Detroit a little bit. Uh, that's who we play this week. They are the worst team in the NFL record-wise. They're 0-6. They had a string of you know heartbreaking losses followed up this week by a throttling at the hands of the... Um, Fuck, who did they play? The Bengals, you know, aren't particularly good. I, you know, before I even get into the the golf of it all, we shouldn't look past this team because they have been playing team stuff and they've really had some heartbreaking losses to the Ravens and the Vikings who are, you know, the Ravens are good, legitimately good, and the Vikings are pretty good. So you, you can't we can't sit here and say oh this should be a absolute an, another thirty eight to eleven win but you know if they lose this game it's probably going to be our fault if we lose this game oh yeah there, there's no question I I I do think that the Lions have some you know good players on the team. Uh, more so on the defensive side of the ball. But even offensively, they have a few players. But at no point do I think that they should beat the the Rams. Maybe the Rams um, don't dominate them like they dominated the, the Giants. Because, you know, while I do think the Giants are technically the better team on paper 
when they're healthy. Um, that's just it when they're healthy. So I do think, I do suspect that the lions might be a little bit more of a challenge. And I do think that Jared Goff is going to try like hell to prove himself, especially this week. So, um, that being said, there better not be at any point a doubt in my mind that the Rams have a possibility to lose this game. They're a much better team than the Lions, let's face it. But there's there's always that risk. I mean, ever since the Jets beat the Rams last year, I, I, I can't overlook any opponent anymore. This The Lions currently are better than the Jets were going into that game. <laughs> like, unquestionably. Um, but they are one of the worst offenses in the league. They're not, certainly not a great defense either, although, you know, they've held the Vikings and the Ravens, two good teams, to under 20 points. Um, but they also just got throttled by Zach Taylor's Bengals. So they got throttled by Sean McVay light. Now they got to pay with play against Sean McVay heavy. Um they they have some players in offense. You know they have a good tight end, a really good running back, and arguably a worse receiving core than what we played against the Giants last week after Kadarius Tony got hurt, which is an incredible statement. But I think it's true because Sterling Shepard is way better than anyone they're trotting out there right now, and the quarterback Jared Goff is currently playing. You know, as one, like one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL um, guy we're very familiar with. And if you guys are going to this game, I hope you give him a little cheer when he trots out there, man. He did a lot for this franchise, but safe to say that we are in a better place. And as much as he has to prove in this game, I think Sean McVay is going to make it a point to exploit every single one of the weaknesses he knows this guy have has. And uh, I don't think he's going to play well. Um, I really think that they are going to just obliterate this offense. Although I will say for what we know are some of the weaknesses on this defense, DeAndre Swift could cause a lot of problems for us. I think the, the real one concern in this game is that they could throw the ball to him a shitload. You know, Goff loves throwing short. He's going to love throwing to this guy in this game. Uh, they could run it with him. I think it'll be effective. I am a little scared about that, and I think he could carve us up and it would open up a lot of concerns about this defense that we've talked about in previous pods. But overall, am I concerned about this game? No, not at all. Like you said, the Jets game, you get a little lingering concern, but I'm not very worried. I And somehow I don't think that this is going to be the worst team we play during this three-game stretch. I think Houston's worse. Cough, TJ Hawkinson. He's good too. Um, I'm actually more nervous about Hawkinson than I am Swift. It's not unreasonable, um, but <laughs> I think I, I think you know. I think Hawkinson is good. I don't know if he had if he'll be a tight end in the same caliber as like Kittle and. Kelsey and Waller are, but I think he could get. It's kind more... of unfair to compare him to them, though. No, well, I, I, you you cut me off. I think he's 
getting close to that like Mark Andrews tier, which is a group of really good tight ends. Um, but he's hampered okay, by, fair. yeah, he's hampered though by his quarterback and his offense. You know, we, I, he's putting up decent numbers this year, but it could be better and it might be better in this game. You know, the, the key to them performing well on offense is going to be targeting Hawkinson and Swift heavily. And honestly, because there aren't really any concerns in the receiving core. Like, I guarantee if you're listening to this podcast and you don't play fantasy football, I bet you can't name a single receiver on this team. And if you play fantasy football, you still might not be able to if you're not that into the shit like I am. Uh, I mean, Johnny, can you name their best receiver who's active right now? Um, okay, are we going based off potential or by statistics? I either. Well, if you ask me about based on potential, I would say the rookie, uh, Amonra St. Brown. Yeah, there you go. He is second among the receiving core. Uh, behind Khalif Raymond. And Quint- that Quint- I didn't know. And Quintus Cephas uh, is also up there after. I uh, thought Cephas, that was their leading receiver, actually. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's Raymond. And none of those guys are particularly good. Uh, St. Brown certainly has some potential, but. Obviously, the key for them is to heavily load up on targets for Hawkinson and Swift. But I think I could see the Rams throwing Jalen Ramsey on Hawkinson in this game. Because who else is he going to guard? And, and, you know, I don't really trust. Like, I think the safeties could do a decent job on Hawk. I certainly don't think the linebackers would do a very good job on him. I think we'll see a a little bit of Ramsey on him. um, And, you know... Swift, I think they can contain enough. You know, he's not going to be running deep down in the field. You know, depth of target, I would imagine, is not very high for DeAndre Swift. And uh, Jared Goff certainly is not throwing the ball that far. Uh, he, uh, he is, He's averaging, what, 6.3 yards per completion? So, I mean, yards per pass attempt. Sorry, not per completion. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um we will have some big problems if they lose this game unless something catastrophic happens injury-wise. Give me, give me a score prediction. Ooh, that's uh that's interesting. I'm going to I'm going to say that they'll go back into the 30s. I'm going to say 34 I'm going to say 34 to 7. I'm going to say 31 to 10. Goff will lead a nice touchdown drive capped off by a clutch four-yard touchdown pass to TJ Hawkinson late in the fourth quarter to narrow the gap to 21. Yeah, I I think that's fair. This uh, fantasy game, for those keeping score at home, really not going well. Luckily, we've entered the territory where nothing I would have done matters as Derrick Henry goes for fucking nuclear for three touchdowns. What are you going to do? Oh, well. Uh, All right. Well, we will be back next week, hopefully after a nice, solid Rams victory against the George Short Lions and Jared Goff. Uh, Give us... A five star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't, and follow us on Twitter at SuperBarrow, at Johnny506, at TalkRams, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that. We're going to see him soon. You feel me?